Welcome to the Fantasy Champions Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, Morgan Colby and Rick Lemon. What's going on, Fantasy Champs? This, my name is Morgan Colby, by the way. No Rick Lemon, like I said on the last show. Uh, today we're going to talk about the top 12 running backs, and this might be my favorite show uh, that we do in July, in August, throughout the entire offseason, because I love running backs. Running backs are my thing. I have a a fetish with running backs. Um, love running backs. So I'm going to talk about my top 12 today, give you my reasoning, uh, my takes, my thoughts, my opinions on some of these rankings. Um, I might even go add in the ECR just to kind of mix that in and tell you, you know, who who they might have in the top twelve. Leonard Fournette's currently ranked in the top twelve. I'm like, uh, have you seen have you seen some of the workout videos for him? Because he's looking pretty hefty. He's looking like a big boy. Looks like he needs to lose twenty pounds before the season starts. Um, but I'm going to talk about my top twelve running backs today. Before we do that, check out our website fantasygyms.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Uh, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or any other podcast platforms, please leave a review and share this podcast with your friends. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe, click the bell for notifications, like, and comment down below if you have any questions for me or Rick, as Rick can comment. He just can't be here. Hopefully, you're enjoying your vacation, Rick, if you're watching. Um, let's talk about our top 12 running backs for the 2022 fantasy football season. Top 12 running backs. So excited about the show. Um, sad I'm doing it by myself, to be honest with you, because this is like one of my favorite shows to do on the year. Maybe we'll do another one. I don't know. I talked to Rick possibly doing a top 50 show uh, where we rank our top 50 players um, quickly, expeditiously. I don't know if we can do that. Not sure. But anyway, uh, let's talk about the uh, top 12 quarter, uh, top 12 running backs I have for this season. Uh, number one, Jonathan Taylor. Pretty self-explanatory. Pretty easy one to decipher. Love it. Um, once again, I hate it. I hate... No, I don't hate the player. I hate the game sometimes. Because Jonathan Taylor finishes the... In, in half PPR leagues, Jonathan Taylor finishes the number one running back in fantasy football last year. And I'm doing this thing again for the second time this year, let alone ever... Uh, where I have Jonathan Taylor as my number one running back. But Jonathan Taylor did some things last year that are amazing. And um, he still, like, I looked at his numbers from last year, and I still think that he has more to provide the Indianapolis Colts. But it's clear that um, he has a ton of opportunity in that offense, and that's not going to change with Matt Ryan coming in. But I think the Colts are going to be more efficient, right? I mean, this guy had 20 touchdowns last year and 1,800 rushing yards. And they added Matt Ryan, who I think is a better quarterback at this point in his career than Carson Wentz is. And so with a more efficient offensive attack for the Indianapolis Colts, I'm going to go out on a limb and say the ceiling is still not reached or met by Jonathan Taylor. Um, last year, at 68.6 snap percentage, number five in the league. I still don't think that's as high as it could go. He had 330 rushing attempts and 40 catches, so 362 opportunities. 
When the Colts lost, it's because they weren't giving the ball to Jonathan Taylor. And when the Colts won, it was because they were giving the ball to Jonathan Taylor. There's no way that Frank Reich and the Indianapolis Colts looked at this offense and said, Jonathan Taylor is not going to get the ball. We got to split this. No, you got to give the ball to Jonathan Taylor. Simple as that. Higher snap percentage, higher opportunity share, higher everything. Um, and I think he was number two in weighted opportunities last year. I think that goes up. Uh, he was insanely efficient in every category. Uh, there's really nothing else to say for this guy. He wasn't game script dependent at all. Uh, he was somebody they used in passing games, uh, somebody that they used uh, when they wanted to just run the ball. Um, and right now he is currently 1.2 on ADP's underdog. So underdog's ADP, I should say. And um, unless you're the number one pick, you're not going to get this guy. So um, I think you're safe picking him as the number one running back off the board. Uh, if I'm able to, I'm no, I got, I got number two pick in our home league and I, I need this player, uh, on my team. I'm hoping that the guy that is number one, uh, completely just pansies out and takes Christian McCaffrey because I need Jonathan Taylor. Um, hopefully he's not listening to this podcast, but, uh, anyway, so Jonathan Taylor being one pretty self-explanatory. I, I don't really, for the last QB one, uh, when I was talking about Josh Allen, you know, repeating this year over last year being the QB one last year and the year before, and now me ranking him one and not liking that. I had some cons with him. I don't have any cons with Jonathan Taylor. If he stays healthy and he gets the opportunity share that he got, he's a top two running back, probably RB one. Um, we talked about this player coming out being an elite uh, generational talent, and he has been that for the uh, for the Indianapolis Colts. Only good things. Only good things. So he is number one on my list. Number two, I have uh, Christian McCaffrey. And so right now, pretty on cue with consensus. The consensus right now, Jonathan Taylor one, Christian McCaffrey two. Uh, We start disagreeing in a second, which I'll get to. But uh, Christian McCaffrey, there are massive concerns for me. And this is why he's not number one. Because when he is number one, I mean, when he is on the field and healthy and good, Christian McCaffrey is number one. Um, he was number two in 2018, number one in 2019. Uh, last year, in a, on a points-per-game basis, in the three games that he played, he averaged 30 points a game, which would have, I don't know, averaged uh-huh, RB1 numbers. He had six touchdowns in three games, 59 rush attempts in three games, 17 catches in three games. Um, If he's healthy, he catches 100 balls. He rushes for 1,300 yards. He gets maybe 1,000 receiving yards. Like, this guy is a number one, number two running back in fantasy football when he's on the field. And that's the key cog. 2017 rookie year, 16 games played out of 16. 2018, 16 games out of 16 played. 2019, 16 games out of 16 games played. Number 2020, three games played. 2021, seven games played. Uh, I'm sorry, in 2020, that was the 30 points per game. He had 18 points per game uh, in seven games played this year. But if you, uh, on a player profile, they got this great injury history uh, me, uh, animation graphic. I don't even know what you want to call it. Um, if you scroll all the way at the bottom of the page, it tells you uh, his injury history. Um, and so he, over the last couple of years, has suffered a lot of injuries 
Um, prior to this, 2017, he had a sh- shoulder strain. Uh, came back from that quickly. Didn't he? I didn't miss any games. It was just like a minor, minor injury. Back strain. Didn't miss any games. He had a knee strain in 2019 and a foot strain in 2019. Uh, these are just like injuries where, uh, you know, you had to keep an eye on it, but it wasn't that bad, uh, and he was totally fine. The major injuries started occurring in week two of 2020 at a high ankle sprain where he missed six games. And then he got an AC joint sprain where he missed three more games in that 2020 season. And then he followed that up with a thigh injury that had him miss four more games. So he had missed a total of 13 games that season. And then last year he had five games with a hamstring strain, five games with an ankle sprain. Um, he's just been injured the last two years. And so... Part of me wants to believe that, you know, he's not going to get injured and that he has the upside and the uh, the ability to uh, play a full 17-game season. Um, but there are some concerns with injury. And I'm not sure he's going to be able to live up to what he is capable of doing uh, just on the pure fact that his injury history has been there. And these injuries are not something to be, uh, you know, looked at and, and view as something minor. He's had serious injuries that affect running backs careers. Um, they weren't season ending, but they linger, they last and they slow guys down. Um, you know, in the NBA, Clay Thompson had two straight major injuries, AC, ACL, I believe. And, uh, and, um, Torres Achilles, I believe, uh, back to back, didn't play for a long while, came back this year, played good, but he's not the same player. And I think, you know, when do we start answering the question of like, okay, is Christian McCaffrey going to be the same player when he comes back? Not only just that, but you have, you have some major issues now with the Carolina Panthers coming out and saying that there's a possibility that they could limit Christian McCaffrey in games and start giving more work to you know the second or third running back um, to keep him off the field so they can keep him fresh and healthy and he doesn't get hurt as often, um, which sucks, especially if you're drafting him as the second running back off the board. So I like him as number two, but this is the last year I'm rolling this train. If he gets hurt again, I'm out. I'm out. See you later. Uh, number three is Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook disappointed last year. He did have an injury. Um, he was a guy that had early in his career, a ton of injuries, couldn't get on the field. Um, but over the last couple of years has had success breakout season in 2019. He was number two, 2020. He was number two again last year in 13 games played in a fancy point per game. Total was number nine overall. He finished as RB 16 because he missed three more games than he should have. But had he played four extra games, he probably would have finished with uh, the QB9 total. Dalvin Cook, number three, I, I like his opportunity. He gets, you know, 50, 40, 50 receptions a season, um, you know, with 300 to 500 rushing yards. Um, his big problem is that in, in the past two seasons where he's finished as QB1, I mean, uh, running back one, right? He was 13 touchdowns in 2019, finishes running back two. Uh, 17 touchdowns in 2020, where he finished as running back two. Last season, he had 1,100 yards, 1,200 receiving yards. So he had a, a decrease in rushing yards. He had a decrease in receptions. And he had a decrease in receiving yards um, on the season. But he did all this in 13 games. So had he played in the extra, let's say, three games, he probably would have finished 
with somewhere around 1,300 rushing yards and maybe 350 to 400 receiving yards, which is on par with what he did in 2020. The major difference for Dalvin Cook is the six touchdowns as opposed to having 13 or 17. So there was a decrease in uh, the touchdown percentage that he had. Now, I don't like to throw positive regression out there and say that, um, you know, based on no information, he's just going to score more touchdowns. But there were times last year where he was in the red area and he was hurt for a lot of the season too, but he was getting a lot of red zone touches. He had 47 red zone touches and seven goal line touches, which was number nine among running backs. And he didn't convert those opportunities very often. Um, And what you want to see is obviously him have those same numbers where he's top 10 in red zone touches um, at the running back position, but converting them into touchdowns. Because if you give him, you know, 13 touchdowns like he had last year, he finishes as the QB, you know, I mean, as the running back five or four. Um, so I think his consistency is there. He's been very, very good for, for pretty much his entire career for the most part. Uh, he has the same, same concerns for me now. He's 27 years old, so he is getting uh, a little bit on the older side. And last year he had a labrum chair and a, uh, a labrum tear and a shoulder dislocation, which he's had time to recover from. He also had an ankle an ankle sprain earlier in the season that he suffered in week two. So um, I think, you know, I don't think there's any major, major injuries, not super severe uh, over the last couple of years. So I'm not super concerned about injury history. I would just handcuff Alexander Madison to him if you can, but I, I think the major difference was the touchdowns, and I think you could see some positive regression in that in that category where he does get up to 10, 12, 13, 14 touchdowns next year and gets himself back into that top three, top four conversation. Um, but I have him number three right now. Number four on my rankings is Austin Eckler, and right now that's a major difference. Austin Eckler is ranked number three um, among people, and I might actually swap that. But Eckler is an interesting guy, and, and he's... He's provided a really good upside for a lot of people the last couple of years. Um, he's been a top 10 quarterback since 2019. He was he was running back six in 2019, running back nine in 2020, and then running back two in fantasy points per game um, in PPR. Uh, so he was really good. Last year, he was number two. Uh, he played in 16 games in 2019, 16 games in 2020, and only 10 in 20. Uh, in 2021, he played 16 games and only 10 in 2020. Um, so his big thing is, you know, last year was the first time in his career that he had um, rushing opportunity over 200 attempts. Um, and I don't, you know, the way Eckler is built, 5'9", 199 pounds, I don't know that he can sustain uh, a 250-touch rush attempt workload. Um, but I think what he does provide is a high ceiling when it comes to, um, you know, passing work. So he gets 70 receptions last year, 647 yards. He had told 20 total touchdowns. The reason why I don't have him ahead of Dalvin cook is because I see he just had those 20 touchdowns. He had 70 receptions. He had 1500 rushing yards, which I mean, 1500 total all purpose yards, which is great. Awesome. But he's always been in the conversation or the vicinity of, you know, running back six to running back nine. 
And the difference this year between other years is obviously his rush attempt share, which I don't think is going to change. So I think he's still going to get that. But the other area was the 20, 20 touchdowns that he had. And I don't know that, you know, Austin Eckler can reach that 20 touchdown threshold. He's also 27 years old. So he's getting older as well. He's been in the league for five years now. So when you look at Austin Eckler, I I have a feeling that he's going to regress. He might not regress in rushing attempts, rushing yards, receiving yards, or receptions. I think he'll be fine in those categories. But he's going to see a total touchdown regression um, on the season that is going to be felt, uh, which would drop him into like the six or seven conversation. And I have him uh, number four right now. So I like him. I like his pass catching work. Obviously in PPR leagues, it's wonderful to have that. And if they do pass the ball a lot and Eckler gets, you know, over 70, 80, 90 receptions, that gives him a good base floor to kind of recover from. But I don't think he's going to score 20 touchdowns again. So that's why I don't have, you know, Austin Eckler ahead of Dalvin Cook at this point, um, which might be stupid. I don't know, but I'll go with it. Number five is Najee Harris. We talked about Harris in the past. Pro. He's got a lot of opportunity that he can work with. He, had, he almost had 400 rushing attempts last year. I want to pull that up just to, just to confirm. Because um, every time I say he almost has it, he did get it. Um, but last year he had 307 rushing attempts, 94 targets uh, with 74 receptions. So he had just under 400 opportunities on the season. Now, he wasn't really efficient. Um, with those opportunities, only getting a total, uh, what is it, uh, fantasy point per opportunity of, I think it was 0.7. I'm trying to find the number now. Um, fantasy point per opportunity, which is 0.75. So that's around the numbers that you saw from Le'Veon Bell. So he gets a lot of work, but he doesn't get a lot of um, fantasy points that relate to that work. If he was around one fantasy point per opportunity, I think he'd be in the conversation of RB1 because of the sheer opportunity that he gets. Um, I don't know if Pittsburgh's either going to be more efficient offensively this year because of the change in quarterback or if they're going to be uh, less efficient. We'll have to see what happens with Kenny Pickett. We'll have to see what happens with um, some of these other quarterbacks that they brought in. I don't know who's going to start a quarterback for this team. Um, I would suggest they go with Kenny Pickett, but Mitch Trubisky might be somebody that they go with. Either way, I, I some people believe that Mitch Trubisky and and or Kenny Pickett would be better uh, for the for the Pittsburgh Steelers offense, but I, I think there's a lot of questions surrounding that. Um, last year he finished as the RB three. He's the RB nine. I mean, he's the ninth player off the board in underdog drafts. So I love Najee Harris. I think I think he's a great selection. You know the opportunity that you're going to get on a week to week basis. So you don't have to worry about that. Uh, it really is up to Najee Harris to produce. And if he produces, he's a top five running back. So I like him at number five. Number six. This is a little bit of a shocker because the the expert consensus has Derrick Henry four. I have Derrick Henry six, two spots lower than that. Um, I like I said, don't like to play the injury game, don't like to play the he's due game. Uh, but Derrick Henry's due for something not great with the opportunity that he gets. Last year, he got hurt uh, in twenty twenty one. Played in eight games and then missed a large chunk of time on the season. I've heard rumors, not sure if they're true or not, but rumors that this team wants to limit opportunity. 
uh, or or limit the amount of times this guy touches the ball on a week to week basis. So decrease the opportunity share that he had, which was basically twenty opportunities per game. I think it would be more than that, actually. <clears throat> Excuse me, but he had twenty seven carries a game, and he also had uh, he also put together eighteen targets, which was two two targets a game last year. No, uh, yeah, in, in the games he played, two targets a game. So they they're trying to get him more involved in the passing game, which is good. But he is twenty eight years old. Um, he has regressed pretty much every season since. Well, not really though. Uh, he was number four in twenty nineteen, number three in twenty twenty. Twenty four points a game last year through eight games played, which would be you know top three or four. I still think he's a really good player, but there is concern for me that he is getting older and that that injury that he had last year, um, which was a foot fracture, is going to come back to haunt him. Um, and right now, you know, Tennessee just traded their star wide receiver uh, to draft Traylon Burks. And that's great and all, but the offense got worse. And so I, I things aren't looking great for Derrick Henry. And I think that, Right now, he's getting drafted as the seventh player off the board, according to ADP. Um, so we'll have to see where Derrick Henry lands. But I'm I'm not concerned about his production. If he's on the field and he's playing, he's a top five running back. My concern and the reason why he's six is because uh, of the injury. You know, he doesn't have an injury history, a large injury history, but the injury last year, leading into this year, being 28 years old and getting that large, large, large workload. I don't know if he can hold up on that. So keep an eye on him in training camp too. If he sustains some kind of like hamstring injury, I would just steer clear of drafting Derrick Henry if you can. Um, but yeah, if he plays a full 16, I think he's top five and and you're getting a great player, but I don't think he's going to play a full 16. So because of that, he is, he is RB6 right now. Um, DeAndre Swift is number seven and I love Swift. Swift reminds me a lot of Alvin Kamara. And the reason why is because he literally is an elite pass catcher. Um, doesn't get the, you know, the rushing workload that you'd like to see on the ground. Um, you know, last year he had 62 receptions, 151 rush attempts through 13 games played. Um, so he basically had, uh, essentially, 11 carries per game, basically uh, 11.6 carries per game. Let's say it's 12 carries per game. Um, so that would have put him uh, somewhere in the vicinity or in the conversation of 200 touches or 200 carries. Um, and then he had 78 targets, which he hauled in 62 of them, 4.8 uh, catches per game. So basically five catches per game. You look at these numbers and they kind of remind me a little bit of Austin Eckler at the top of the rankings, right? Um, and it's just because he missed... Uh, he missed a chunk of time here. He missed four games on the season. Um, and I don't know if that's something that will consistently happen, but the big thing about Swift is that in, in that time he had seven, you know, he might've had 10 touchdowns again. Uh, I think he would have averaged around 17 or 18 points, fantasy points per game. I think he has that similar upside of an Austin Eckler where he could finish in the top five. He was top five for much of the season last year before he, before the injury. So I like where Swift is going. Um, the only reason why I have him in this conversation of eight and not, you know, higher than Derrick Henry or or higher than some of these other guys is because I like Derrick Henry Harris 
I like uh, Henry Harris, Eckler, Cook, McCaffrey, and Taylor Moore. Um, like, I would take the Titans' offense over the Lions' offense right now. I wouldn't take Pittsburgh, but Najee gets way more work than than DeAndre Swift. I like Eckler's offense. Dalvin Cook's offense is good. Andy gets the work. Christian McCaffrey gets the work. Uh, and then Jonathan Taylor gets the work, and the offense is going to be good. So it's like you have you have some of these players right now where, you know, DeAndre Swift out of that group has the worst offense and doesn't get a hell of a lot of workload. So um, that's why Swift is seven at this point. Um, but great draft selection if you get him. He does have upside to be a top five pick. Um, and let's quickly go through the final, what is this, five guys? Joe Mixon comes in at eight. And uh, Joe Mixon had a great year last year. But I don't know... He's 25 years old, so he's not that old, but he has played in the NFL for five years now. So he was drafted in the NFL when he was 20 years old. Um, This was the second time in his career that he's been an RB1. So he was an RB1 in 2018, and now he's an RB1 in 2021. Um, And so he was top five this year, 1,200 rushing yards. I think the efficiency of the offense really doesn't change. He had 292 rush attempts, which is great, 42 catches. He's everything you're looking for in a running back. I don't really have anything super bad to say about him. I just think that his ceiling is capped uh, for what he can do. Um, The only area of regression that I see that he could have is the 16 total touchdowns he had last year. But, I mean, I don't know that he's going to lose the rushing opportunity. Uh, I would be a little bit more concerned about, you know, because he has in the past struggled with injury. And it's, it's limited his ability to have success. He also has not been a very, very efficient runner. 4.1 yards per carry last year, 3.6 in 2020, uh, and 4.1 in 2019. So he, the last three seasons, he's been good, but he hasn't been efficient on the ground. Um, that might change now. Joe Burrow is, you know, elite, and teams have to look out for him and, and look out for what um, he has to do. Uh, but... So I think the only area of regression that you'll see from Joe Mixon is the, is the 16 touchdowns. But if it does happen, it'll be down to like 14 or 13. I think he's got a good offense, a good head on his shoulders, and um, I think he's got good upside to be a great player. I think he's more of a – like you talk about some of these players. Like I just talked about Swift. Swift is a ceiling play, you know, and he does have a low floor. Like if things don't work out for Swift and the Lions suck this year – then that's not good for Swift, and Swift will probably be like 10, 11, 12 instead of 7, you know, 6, 5. Um, Joe Mixon's one of those guys where he's definitely going to be a low-end RB1, um, but you know he's going to be that. You know what you're going to get on a week-to-week basis. He'll produce, um, and if you want safe production late in the first round, early in the second, then Joe Mixon's a great pick. Uh, If you're like at pick 12 right now, and you take you know, a wide receiver and then Joe Mixon, I think you're good. If you take two running backs and Joe Mixon be the safer one, and then maybe Javante has a breakout at 13, um, you could do that as well. But I think for Joe Mixon, he is a safer play. He's not a breakout play. And at the end of the first round, I tend to lean more towards the breakout plays than the, you know, the, the safe floor plays. So, but Joe Mixon's really good. He was RB4 last year. I think he'll be uh I think he'll be fine in the points per game total. He'll probably finish anywhere between 4 and, you know, 4 and 8 um in my projections and uh he might come up in my rankings, but I'm not really I'm not really 
super sure about that. Um, number nine is Nick Chubb. Now, it is extremely likely that Deshaun Watson, because something's got to happen, and I think, you know, uh, the outcry that would happen, I'm not providing any uh, opinion into this, but the outcry in the fantasy community and in the regular football community and football world would be existentially um, loud if he wasn't suspended for a full season. So, or Deshaun Watson wasn't suspended for a full season. So, with that being said, I'm I'm ranking Nick Chubb here at nine under the assumption that Joe Mixon does not play. I don't think that Joe Mixon... I mean, uh, under the assumption that Deshaun Watson does not play. Um, if he was playing, Nick Chubb would probably be seven for me, and Swift and Joe Mixon would move down. Um, I love Nick Chubb. I love what he provides. He's got a lot of opportunity. I don't like that he splits with Kareem Hunt a lot of the time. That kind of blows. Um, but Nick Chubb does provide a really good ceiling um, and a good floor. He's one of those safe players with a good ceiling. And I think there's, you know, he has a really good season. He could ascend into that, you know, top four, top three conversation. Um, and that is how talented he is talented. He is rushing the ball and he's a good pass catcher too. Kareem Hunt just takes that pass catching work away from him. Um, so it's like, you know, there's some things holding him back. You know, the fact that Kareem Hunt is there taking his pass catching opportunity, not having DeAndre, uh, I mean, not having um, Deshaun Watson as your quarterback is going to be tough. And I think you're safe to to say, you know, Nick Chubb will get that production because if they go with, I think it's Tyrod Taylor, who's the backup right now, if they end up going with him for the season, um, you're going to see a lot of work going to Nick Chubb. Um, he's going to get a ton of rushing work on the ground and... Uh, the only thing I would be concerned about is is his efficiency in that because they know he's going to run it. They're not going to get a lot of red zone opportunities, and Nick Chubb's not going to score a lot of touchdowns uh, without Deshaun Watson starting at quarterback. So I put Nick Chubb 9 because there is a little bit of, you know, a, a problem there for Nick Chubb. Um, and if he had Deshaun Watson starting, you know, I could see even him being ranked with Najee and Derrick Henry uh, in – you know, the consensus ranking. So I think, you know, not having Watson is pushing Nick Chubb down right now. Uh, the ECR has him at nine as well. So, um, you know, we'll just have to see as, as what happens because Nick Chubb will move up if, you know, Watson does end up not getting a suspension and playing this year. But if Watson gets suspended for a full season, Nick Chubb around nine or 10 is pretty good. Um, number 10, I have Aaron Jones. I actually think this might be a really good um, opportunity for Aaron Jones. Now, we we know what we're going to get from Aaron Jones, and it's going to be a split between – that. that's just the, the nature of the Green Bay Packers offense. We're going to have split opportunity between Aaron Jones um, and A.J. Dillon. That's just going to happen. Um, but when you look at Aaron Jones and you look at the upside that he has in the past, you know, he's had times where he could finish as a top three guy, top four guy. Uh, but then there's also been opportunities where he hasn't produced at that level and been a low-end RB1. I think he's a safe low-end RB1. He kind of reminds me of like a poor man's Joe Mixon up in this back end. Um, and 
I think he'll probably end between 10 to 14 if I had to take a, a you know a guess as to where Nick I mean uh, Aaron Jones finishes next year um, but the one good thing that he does have on his side is that there's no more Devonte Adams and pretty much the only target share in the offense right now uh, is Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. And so I think I think that when when Aaron Jones is on the field, he's going to get his work. He's going to get his rushing attempts. He's going to get his pass catching opportunities. He'll be there to produce. Um, and so I, I I actually think he's a good floor play. I think I think if you want to get Aaron Jones um, on your team, he is a really good floor play. Say you drafted more of a breakout guy in the first round. Um, you know, right now he's picked 17. So say you drafted a more like, this is one of those things where if you're picking at like three or four, you can pick a safe running back in the first round that you know is going to be like a top five guy and then draft Aaron Jones as your second running back and know you're probably going to get, you know, a low end RB one, uh, out of him. So I think that a lot of people are fading back on, on Aaron Jones. And I, I personally am looking at Aaron Jones and going, okay, you know, we know what he is. We know he's in a split backfield. We know his upside probably isn't going to be top four or five, but he's going to get his opportunities. He's going to produce with his opportunities. He'll probably finish between 10 and 12. So if you if you accept that with Aaron Jones, he's totally worth uh, that late round second pick. Uh, do you want to make two safe picks, you know, with your first two picks? I don't know. That's up to you. Um, I would, I typically like to go with, you know, like a running back in the first round and then, you know, a breakout in the second. So like, you know, if you have a high first round pick, you know, the, you know, Christian McCaffrey, Jonathan Taylor, like some, one of those guys are going to be really good. And then, you know, if they stay on the field and they're healthy, they're going to be good and you're going to be fine. And then the second round, you take a breakout guy like Javante Williams or, you know, somebody that you can rely on to possibly have a top five breakout season I typically like doing that because you do have the safe production. If that guy doesn't break out like Miles Sanders didn't or even Antonio Gibson didn't, you know, you still get top 15 production out of that second guy and you don't really fall apart. Um, the safe play is a safe play. You know what I mean? It's taking D- Derrick Henry and Aaron Jones and, you know, just sticking with that. But um, I do like Aaron Jones. I think he's a good pick. If you take a risk pick in the uh, in the first round, I would definitely take Aaron Jones in the second, knowing that, you know, okay, this guy will provide me at least some form of a base floor. Um, but let's talk about number 11 and number 12 to complete the show. Uh, Alvin Kamara is number 11 on these rankings. And um, he's had some he's had some stuff floating around. Um, regarding legal things and also, I don't know, uh, he's, he's getting older and he doesn't provide the same like upside as he has in the past. Right now he's going off the board as number 30. He was RB eight last year with a swapping in and out of the quarterbacks early in the season when, uh, Jameis Winston was the quarterback Um, He wasn't amazing. He actually didn't start playing really, really well until Jameis Winston stopped performing at the quarterback position. He only played 13 games last year, finishes the RB8. Points per game-wise, he was number four. Um, So, and he's 27. He's in that same conversation. Really interesting that points per game-wise, he was number four. In 2020, he was number one, and then he was number eight in 2019. Why he's getting drafted as the 11th or at pick 30, I think that's a steal, to be honest with you. This is one of the great values um, in drafts right now because Alvin Kamara, 
I think the, the the big reason why he's 11 right now is because he has for me is that because he has he has a low floor, um, and it's like he could he could just bust the bottom of the floor because the offense has changed, the coaching staff has changed. Jameis Winston may not be a good quarterback, and the offense for you know this New Orleans Saints team could be not great, and that would be the floor out. You know, Alvin Kamara just completely collapses, isn't good. And then you also have the ceiling of Alvin Kamara where he could finish top four, you know, in the points per game. And um, it could go either way with this guy. But if the legal things clear up, and things go well for him. I actually would maybe rank him ahead of Aaron Jones and maybe even Nick Chubb because I think there is a ceiling there for Alvin Kamara uh, to have success. And if he's at pick 30, I mean, you're getting him late second round in 12 team. That's really, really good. So I like Kamara going into this year. Um, it is a little bit more, uh, you know, it's not really a risk pick because you, you you are taking him a little bit later. But I think, you know, there's a low floor when it comes to Alvin Kamara, which is why a lot of people are not like, okay, you know, he did have a, you know, he's number four in PPR and points per game, but we're not really excited about him because he provides these many issues. So I think there's a lot of question marks with Alvin Kamara, and that's what's pushing him down the boards. But the further he goes down, uh, the more of a value he becomes, which is somebody that you should target. Um, but anyway, final guy that we're going to talk about is Javante Williams. And Javante Williams on the ECR is 13. I have him 12. Um, and the guy that I swapped out for him is Leonard Fournette, who doesn't look healthy right now. <laughs> he looks big. And um, I don't know if that's good thing, bad thing, no idea. But not excited about what I'm seeing from Leonard Fournette. I think... Uh, Drafting Leonard Fournette and putting him in the top 12 in your rankings is a fool's errand, to be honest with you. Um, and we'll have to see what happens with that. But I think there's a lot of question marks surrounding the Bucks and surrounding you know Leonard Fournette than there are answers. Javante is a whole other conversation. Now, um, I do want to look up really quickly because I believe um, the Denver Broncos re-signed Melvin Gordon. Um, they did. So... Uh, He's going to be there, but you have Javante Williams who was, you know, he was a guy that a lot of people really liked last year as a late season breakout, finished RB 17. He was 22 in uh, fantasy points per game last year. Um, in the second half of the season, weeks 12 to 18, he had one, two, three. Uh, he had three out of his seven games played were RB one performances Um Four or five of them were RB1 or RB2 performances, so he had some really good games down a stretch. I think they should shift the snap share uh, in favor of Javante Williams and give him um, a massive load of opportunity, uh, which I don't know if it's going to happen or not, but he had 203 carries, 53 targets, and 43 catches last year, so he had 246 total opportunities. His fantasy point per opportunity was 0.8, um, but he was one of the most efficient runners in the game. He was number six in evaded tackles, uh, number eight in juke rate among running backs, uh, number six in yards created, number seven in yards created per touch. So he was very, very, very efficient um, in pretty much every category in terms of um, you know creating yardage for himself. Uh, he had five yards per touch, which was number 18. Um, he's a he's a really, really good player. And I think efficiency-wise, efficiency he showed that last year. 
He showed uh, he could be one of the most efficient running backs in the NFL. He's number nine in catch rate. Like, he does a lot of things really, really well. Uh, and the big thing about Javante is that uh, he is, you know, spoiler alert, one of our breakout running backs, or at least going to be one of our breakout running backs for this season. The offense now has, uh, you know, it now has Russell Wilson, so it's going to be a lot more efficient. Javante Williams is going to come in that efficient offense and run the run the leather off the ball. And I think he'll score anywhere between 14 and 16 touchdowns, you know, 1,400 brushing yards and 500 receiving yards with 40 to 50 catches um, on the season. So I think I think there's a really good chance that Javante Williams breaks out this year, ends up a top five running back, and and I will take him as a breakout player. But I'm ranking him 12 right now because I think, you know, the rest of these running backs are safer. I love Javante Williams in the second round, though. If you can smash that, get it all day. Right now, his ADP is pick 26, so he's even falling into the third round in ADP um, for underdog drafts. Uh, and I, I like where it's going for Javante Williams. The, the The major question is, do they continue to go with the split that they've had with Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams, or do they shift to more of like a 60-40 with Javante Williams getting the 60 and Melvin Gordon getting the 40? Um, I don't know because Melvin Gordon, like I said, he's on the, he's on the back nine of his career and he's old. So he can't take the workload that they gave him last year. And I think that, you know, they want Javante to be this guy. It could stick 50, 50, which would suck. But we've seen guys like Aaron Jones go 50-50 with another running back and be really, really efficient and really good. Um, but I think even if he doesn't get what you want to see out of, like in 17 games, he had 203 rush attempts, 43. So if he gets 300 opportunities this year, um, you know, I think he'll be really good. He stepped up his game and, and all bets are off if a guy like Melvin Gordon gets hurt, right? So I love Javante Williams as a breakout um, this year. He's one of my favorite breakouts, the number one breakout that I have, and he'll be really good. That's why I have him 12, and I might even move him up possibly ahead of some guys, but I think he's good. I don't know why the ECR has him at 13 um, and, or even the underdog ADP having him at 26. I could totally snag this guy in the third round if I wanted to. Um, if you wanted to take that risk, I'll probably take him in the second if there's that opportunity there for me. But I love Javante Williams this year. So there are your top 12 running backs for the 2020 fantasy football season. Jonathan Taylor, McCaffrey, Cook, Eckler, Harris, Henry Swift, Mixon, Nick Chubb, Aaron Jones, Kamara, and Javante Williams. Those are my 12. Uh, we got some good stuff coming next week, including a mock draft. And Rick is back. So be sure to check it out and listen. Thanks for listening, guys. See you later. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Champions Podcast. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes and YouTube and follow us on Twitter at TheFFChamps.